This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic. But today, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more. All made right here in the USA, from growing the cotton to adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride, purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. The following podcast was recorded and released for the folks over at my Patreon on Friday, April 2nd. Now I'm giving it to y'all. As long as you understand, there's going to be spoilers up in here. Hello and welcome to another episode of My Other Podcast. I'm your host, my name is Steven, and the last thing I want to do right now is beat around the bush. So let's just stop with all the pretense already and talk about episode number three of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We're halfway through the series now, and this episode was called Power Broker. Now, I found myself failing lately when I try to run down what has happened in these episodes. So today I'm going to try things just a bit differently. I'm going to read to you the description of the episode from Wikipedia, and then I'm going to try my best to fill in the blanks talk about my favorite moments, and maybe give you a comic recommendation based on what we saw in the episode. Sound good? Well, then let's do it. Unbeknownst to Sam, Bucky orchestrates a prison riot to help Baron Zemo escape, and then Zemo agrees to help stop the Flag Smashers. They travel to Madripoor, a criminal sanctuary city-state, and they meet with a high-ranking criminal, named Selby. She reveals that it was former Hydra scientist Dr. Wilfred Nagel who was hired by the power broker to recreate the super soldier serum. Sam's identity is exposed because he's gone undercover as a guy named Smiling Tiger. (laughs) Anyway, during this encounter, his identity is exposed as Sam, and then suddenly somebody kills Selby, somebody off camera. We don't know who killed this lady, But suddenly, after she's killed, a bounty is placed on Sam, Bucky, and Zemo as they escape. And then all these bounty hunters are trying to kill him. That's when Sharon Carter shows up. She's been living as a fugitive since Civil War, and she saves them from the bounty hunters, and she brings them to Nagel's lab. They learn there that he recreated 20 doses of the serum, which Morgenthau stole. Carly Morgenthau of the Flag Smashers. Zemo then at that point kills Nagel and the lab is destroyed because it's hit by a like a freaking shoulder mounted rocket from these bounty hunters. But Baron Zemo manages to steal a getaway vehicle. Sharon decides to stay behind and Sam agrees to obtain for her a pardon. John Walker, the new Captain America and his partner Battlestar They arrive in Berlin, where Zemo was held prisoner, and they deduce that Bucky and Sam helped 
Zemo escape. Then the Flag Smashers raid a GRC storage facility. Now I can't remember what GRC stands for. They're like supposed to be the group that is helping people back on their feet after the the blip. Global Repatriation Corporation. No, that's not right. Anyway, they raid one of their facilities in Lithuania and steal their supplies. And then they blow it up with all these GRC people inside. Baron Zemo, Bucky, and Sam then travel to Latvia to search for Morgenthau because they get a lead on her based on some woman that she has been in contact with that is is dying. Basically, when they are grilling Nagel, he explains to them that he created... All right, so let me just, let me just dig into this part here. So when they're grilling Nagel, we find out that Nagel was actually hired by the CIA to recreate the super soldier serum. He was given the blood from a man who had uh, intact super soldier serum cells inside him. We're assuming that that is Isaiah Bradley, who we saw in the previous episode, who talked about how they had kept him prisoner. You know, he was a hero. He helped out during the Korean War. Uh, but his reward was that they kept him in a jail cell and they took his blood. So we're assuming that's where this sample came from. Well, Nagel is getting very close to recreating the super soldier serum. He then is one of the people affected by the blip. So when he comes back five years later, the, the CIA had closed down. They had stopped work on the project. And then he gets hired by the power broker to recreate the serum. He manages to create 20 vials of it, which are stolen by Carly Morgenthau, the leader of the Flag Smashers. She then calls him back at one point and asks him if he will help. Um, and I don't remember the name of the woman. Uh, asks him if he will help this woman who was dying of Parkinson's or something like that. And so that's how they get this lead on Morgenthau in Latvia. While they're in Latvia, Bucky recognizes these Wakandan tracking devices in the street. Picks one up and he tells the other two, he's like, I'm going to go for a little walk. And Sam's like, are you all right? It's like, I'm good. I'm just going to go for a walk. And he ducks down an alleyway. He finds another one. And he says out loud, you drop something. And that's when this woman steps out. She is one of, she's a Wakandan. She's one of the, she's one of the Dora Milaje. Her name's Ayo. She was in Civil War. She's basically one of the, the, the Dora Milaje were these female, like the Royal Guard for the Wakandans. And they are BAs. They kick a lot of butt. And she's there and she tells Bucky that they want Zemo. And that's kind of how the episode ends. So my thoughts throughout this episode, the first thing that I thought of was when they go to Madripoor, if you're not, if you've never heard of this place before, it it has a lot of history in the X-Men comics. Madripoor has been used a lot and it's really kind of, it's it ties into Wolverine's background quite a bit. In fact, if you've ever read Wolverine's solo series, his first one, which I think was written by Larry Hama. And I want to say Sal Busima or John Busima did the art. Eventually, Mark Silvestri made a name for himself on that book as well as X-Men. But that series, if I remember correctly, starts out with Wolverine Logan living in Madripoor and he's posing as this guy named Patch. And he's basically just Logan in a suit with an eye patch. And I don't remember why he's there. I don't remember any of the stories. But my first thought was this, this, to me, this would have been, I thought, a perfect opportunity to just introduce 
Wolverine into the Marvel universe, but not as not as Wolverine. You know what I'm saying? They could have they could have easily just introduced this character, called him Patch, and maybe he he just they met him in a bar and he pointed them in a certain direction. And that's it. That's all we get of him. Of course, that would have all depended on whether or not they've already cast whoever is going to be Wolverine, all that junk. But this would have been a pretty good opportunity just to kind of throw that in there. Um, they didn't, of course. And I know they have good reason. Obviously, these are smart people that are putting these shows and these movies together. They know what they're doing. I'm not going to second guess them, but I just thought that would have been a lot of fun. We do get to see, however, there's a bar in the in Madripoor. They they go into a bar called, I think, the Brass Monkey, something like that, which um, on the way there, they pass by another bar or we see another bar called Princess Bar, which I feel like that showed up that that bar was in the Wolverine series when he was in Madripoor. But I, I it strikes a strikes a memory, but I'm not 100 percent sure couple of other thoughts I had during the episode was this whole thing with Sharon Carter. So they made mention last week when Bucky talks about how we just need to go get the shield back. We just need to take it. And Sam says, well, you remember what happened last time we stole the shield. Sharon Carter became an enemy of the state. We got thrown in prison, blah, blah, blah. Well, Bucky didn't. Bucky went to Wakanda. Well, we learn in this episode that she's still an enemy of the state. If she tries to go back to America... She's going to be arrested and thrown in prison. And yet Bucky and Sam, they're they're fine with the government. She she makes a comment. She's like, well, I didn't have the Avengers, you know, behind me to to help me, you know, to help clear my name or whatever. And my 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 thought was, well, why didn't anybody else help her? I mean, she got freaking Sam and Captain America. She got the shield for them. She helped them out in Civil War. She put her freaking career and her life on the line to help them out in this in that movie and she's been paying for it ever since and they did they do nothing at all about it it just it just seems weird that after endgame granted after endgame cap went back in time and he stayed back there but you just you would have thought at one point he would have said to somebody hey um in case anything happens to me because obviously he he had planned on staying back in the 40s. When when he went back in time to, to put all the, the stones back, he planned to stay back there and make a life for him and Peggy Carter. So you think that at one point he would have said before he left or even after he came back as an old man, he would have spoken to somebody and said, look, we need to do something for Sharon. She cannot continue to be an enemy of the state. She sacrificed a lot for us. And they do nothing. They just let her hang out there in the wind. And I just found that very odd. Now, it makes sense for the story because she wouldn't be where she is right now to help them out if they had helped her. But there's ways to write around that. You know, she could have still she could have been back with the CIA at this point and she could have been stationed in Madripoor and she could be undercover and she could be helping them. But no, they just let her dangle in the wind and they just completely forgot about her and didn't do jack squat to help out her situation. And I found that incredibly odd. I couldn't stop thinking about it through the rest of the episode because at one point it, there's this really weird bit of dialogue and maybe I, I heard it wrong or I'm remembering it wrong, but she she basically saves them. They go in to see Selby. Selby gets murdered by somebody. 
Um, and then they're hunted down by these bounty hunters and she saves them and she takes them back to her place. Madripoor is basically made up of high town where all the rich folk live and low town where all the, the really bad. So it's like the rich, bad folk are uptown and just the bad, bad folk are downtown. She takes them to her place in high town and she's now like a freaking art thief or something. And she's, she's living high off the hog. She's got all this money. She's got all this stolen art and, and all this junk. And she tells them that, well, I figured if I'm going to, if I'm going to be considered a hustler and I, I might as well live the life and play the role. And so he tells, Sam tells her that they need her help. And I thought, man, he's got some freaking stones on him to ask her for help after they just let her dangle in the wind. And he tells her, well, you know, if you, if you help us, I can get you a pardon. And again, I'm like, well, why didn't you just do that in the first place? She's already helped you. You know, she's already helped them. That's the reason why she's where she is now. And then at one point she says she she she's willing to help him, but she doesn't want to. I, I don't know. It's like she she's like, well, I don't know if I want to help you. And, and he's like, well, um, you know, we can get you pardoned. And she says, well, I don't want to take charity or something like that. And again, it's not charity. You've already helped them. But he says, well, if you don't take charity, then let's make a deal. You help us and I'll get you pardoned. And she's like, fine, that's what we'll do. And I don't know. I just found it all rather weird. It was like a, a a story point that they didn't tie up very well. And to me, it made Captain America or Steve Rogers and Sam Wilson just look like a, a couple of jerks that don't look after their friends. That's that's exactly what I got out of that. Granted, I'm sure they got busy lives. They got things to worry about. But I don't know, man. I just I feel like that's not something they should have let happen. They shouldn't have just let her continue to be a, a freaking enemy of the state. I'm sure there's something they could have done. Obviously, if Sam is just like, oh, I'll, I'll get your pardon. No big deal. You know, he acts like it's no big deal. You help me, I help you. Well, if you could have done that already, why didn't you? I don't blame Bucky too much because he's got his own problems. He's lucky that he has been pardoned. But if I think Sam even says it, if they can pardon, if, you know, if the American government can pardon Bucky, who's killed Every single person he's met is the way he puts it. Then surely they'll we can get them to pardon you. So why didn't you just have it done in the first place? And I just it's shame on you, Sam. Shame on you, Steve. I I especially big shame on Steve more than Sam, really, because at this point, I mean, he went he's he went back in time to make a life with her aunt. I don't know. I just I found this a very bewildering story point, And I can't help but now think just a little bit less about Sam and Steve. There were some funny moments in this episode. There was a really great callback to Civil War where there's a moment in Civil War when uh, they meet Sharon Carter, who has just stolen Cap's shield and Sam's wings and has become a criminal because of it. They they meet her under this bridge and they're driving a Volks, an old Volkswagen bug. And Steve is out of the car talking to her at her car. Sam is in the passenger seat and Bucky is sitting in the back seat of this Volkswagen behind Sam. And at one point he goes, he's, he basically says there's something to the effect of there's no room back here. Could you move your seat up? And Sam says, no. Well, when Zemo steals this getaway car, it's like an old muscle car. It's like a Camaro or something. I'm not sure what it is. I'm not a car guy. Well, Bucky gets in the passenger seat and Sam gets in the seat behind him and he goes, you're not going to move the seat up, are you? And Bucky just says no. And then they drive away. I thought that was kind of funny. Um, we get to see a bit of John Walker almost lose it at one point in this episode. He uh, There was a, a group of people 
I don't remember what country it is, but in the last episode, they, after the Flag Smashers stole these vaccines in the last episode, they're the ones that that uh, housed them and protected them until they could move on to their next thing. And uh, John Walker, Captain America, they, they find out about this and they go raid this place. And he's trying to get information from this guy and the guy spits in his face. And uh, I thought at that point that Walker was going to push him through a wall. I thought that was when we would see that John Walker does have super strength, which he claims he does not. But he does. We know he does. We're going to find that out. But he basically pushes him back and he screams at him, do you know who I am? And this just was just a moment. But we see that rage, that uncontrollable rage that just tickling there at the at the fringes. And we know that's going to come out at some point. Beyond that, we see that when when the Flag Smashers raid this GRC facility and they steal these supplies, they tie up all these soldiers inside the facility. And as they're leaving, the place explodes. And the guy that she's with, he freaks out for a second. And he's like, there were pe- there were still people in there. And she says, this is the only language they understand. So it's obvious at this point that she's willing to, and this happens after her friend. We don't know who this woman is, this older lady who died. We don't know who she is in relation to Morgenthau, but they obviously have a history together. This could be an aunt or a grandmother or a mother or a sister or a best friend. or We, we don't know, uh, but obviously it's pushed her uh, across a certain line because this happens after the woman dies and she says, this is the only language these people understand. So she has now crossed a line that the Flag Smashers, I guess at that point, had not been willing to cross. So that's where we're at there. And then the ending, when the Dora Milaje shows up to demand Zemo back, that's just got me all kinds of interested because we know at this point, because of the the tragic passing of Chadwick Boseman, that even though there's going to be another Black Panther movie, they're not going to recast the character of T'Challa. They they have decided, you know, in respect for everything that he brought to that character, he's the only one that can play that character. So they're going to, somebody else is going to be Black Panther, but it's going to be a different character. And some speculation has been because there's been a female Black Panther in the comics. I haven't read those yet. They're on my list. They're, they're something I need to get to. But there's speculation that it will be a female Black Panther this time around. And of course, my first thought at seeing this woman is, are we seeing the new Black Panther? Are they going to do that in this series? Are we going to get introduced to the new Black Panther in this series? No, I don't think we are. I don't think they're going to go there. I think she's just as she was in the Civil War. She's the uh, she's a Dora Milaje. She's a one of the royal guards for the royal family of Wakanda. Um, but maybe we might learn who is the new Black Panther. We just might not see them. I'm just interested to see how this unfolds because Baron Zemo, the reason why he's in prison is because he blew up that, uh, whatever you want to call it, the meeting that everybody was having for the Accords, the Sokovia Accords, and he killed T'Challa's father, T'Chaka, the, 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 the guy who was king and the Black Panther when Civil War started. Then, of course, he blamed it on Bucky, and that's why Black Panther went after Bucky, and they reconciled and all that stuff. But anyway, so it it makes sense that if Zemo is going to be in this and they're going to let Zemo out of prison, that Wakanda is going to want, you know, they're going to want to know what's going on, and they're going to want him back. So 
Really, I mean, I thought I didn't even think that that something like that could happen. And I'm just really super interested now at this point to see how that unfolds. And we've only got three episodes left. We're halfway in. We got the second half to go. It's just going to keep getting bigger and better. And I'm super excited for these last three episodes. I cannot wait to see where it goes. I was a little sad that we didn't get to see Sam at all in his costume, in his outfit. He didn't do, he was not the Falcon at all in this episode, but he was still really good. He he kicked a lot of butt. Sharon Carter, oh my gosh. When she takes them to, to Nagel's lab, they go into the lab and she stays outside and all these like gun-toting thugs come in and she's like, I'll keep them busy. You guys do what you need to do. I mean, there's like, 12, 13, 14, 15 men and women with guns out there. And she's just ducking and weaving and just kicking their butts. She and she gets her butt kicked, but she she gives more than she gets. But she's she's bruised and bloody by the end of it. It was like she's like freaking John McClane just doing what she needs to do to keep herself alive and stop these guys from hurting her friends. It was really good. It was a really good scene. And it was nice to see Sharon Carter used in that fashion. She just really, really stepped up her game and showed us what she can do. And I really enjoyed that scene. I just, I just, I was amazed because she just, oh, most of the time she was going up against these guys, she had lost her gun and it it was amazing. She, one dude was coming at her with a freaking machine gun and she takes his knife from him and stabs him and then throws a the knife at another guy. It was, it was pretty wicked. All in all, it was a great episode. They keep getting bigger. They keep getting better. And if the series keeps going the way it's going, I think episode number six, I may explode by the end of it. I just might explode. If sometime Friday afternoon, the day that that comes out, you hear an explosion in eastern Kansas. That's me. That's just me watching the show. Don't worry about it. It means you guys won't get an episode that day because I will have exploded. But it's probably not going to happen. I, I can't imagine I would just explode like that, but I, I may want to. Anyway, that's it. That's the episode. I enjoyed it. What you, What did you think? Let me know. You know all the places. There's all kinds of places you can send me feedback. Just let me know. Reach out. It's in the show notes. I'm out. Bye. Wait, actually, no, I'm not done with the episode. I'm not saying goodbye. I almost forgot. I wanted to give you a comic book recommendation based on what we watched in the episode today or whenever you watched it. And this has to do with Baron Zemo. Um, Now, I'll be honest with you. I don't know a lot about Baron Zemo. However, one of my most favorite Avengers storylines in all the comics has to do with Baron Zemo and his Masters of Evil. It's a storyline that's referred to as Under Siege. And based on MarvelFandom.com or Marvel.Fandom.com, Under Siege begins with Avengers number 270, and it goes through Avengers number 277. It is a really good story, a really awesome story where the Masters of Evil, under the leadership of Baron Zemo, take over the Avengers mansion. They nearly kill Jarvis. They nearly kill Hercules. It's a really good story, and it's one that I would recommend to anybody. It was written by Roger Stern. The pencils were by John Buscema. He is my Avengers artist. This is hip deep in the heyday of the Avengers when I was reading them, when I was a kid reading comics. This is this is right in the middle of the Avengers run that I when I was reading back then. This the first issue of it, like I said, Avengers 270 was from August of 1986, and it runs through Avengers 277. 
in March of 1987. If you've got Marvel Unlimited, you can read them all there. Um, I'm not sure. I know they did collect this series at one time. It is part of an epic collection as well. So it is collected. You can you can find it out there, whether it be on Comixology or actual physical books you could probably get through your local comic book store as at least the epic collection which is gonna cover way more than just that but it's definitely something you need to read anyway that's it that's all i got i'm gonna end there that's it goodbye see you later Good job. Ooh.